Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Say this with me. Say the rest of my life will be the best of my life. All right, we're going to try it one more time, and I want you to say it like you believe it. Uh, how many believe the Bible? You believe the Bible? Yeah. Uh, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. In, in one version, it says that you might have and enjoy life. How many want to enjoy your life? Not just when you get to heaven, but while you're here. It's, it's a, you know, First Timothy says we're not only to enjoy the life that is to come, but to enjoy the life that now is. We can enjoy ourselves while we're here. And I didn't grow up in church like that. I thought we just had to fight the devil while we were here. One day we get to heaven, then we could enjoy ourselves. And anybody grew up in a church like, like that where like everything was a sin? You just couldn't do anything fun and you couldn't enjoy it. Yeah, that's kind of how I grew up. And, and we couldn't do anything. We couldn't go to the movies. That was a sin. We couldn't go bowling. That was a sin. We couldn't play video games. That was a sin. If me and my brother wanted to play, we just we played church. That's the only thing that wasn't a sin. I'd preach. My brother gets saved. He'd been saved a lot. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd baptize him until my dad caught us and whipped us. Uh, we didn't get time out when I was a kid. Nowadays, kids get you can get a time out. You're gonna get a time out. The only time out we had was when Dad took time out to whip us. That was it. And my dad was a very patriotic man. I mean, my whole life he laid stripes. We saw stars. It was very patriotic around our house, and and that's just kind of how we grew up. But uh, I found that God really wanted me to enjoy life. That God had a greater plan for me. That's what the Bible says in Jeremiah. That God has plans for you, and they're good plans. Plans for a hope and for a future. And I want to talk to you about that for a few minutes tonight because uh, I just really believe that, that if God made plans, I think we should make plans. I think planning is a really important thing that we need to do and thing that we need to understand. So if you've got a pen or paper, let me give you two or three things. If you've got your phone, something you can write down a couple things with because you'll want to go back and look at this. Now, uh, how, many, how many want uh, next year to be better than this year? Next year, be, okay, most of us should. So how, what, what are we going to do different next year? Because if you do the same thing next year you did this year, next year will be just like, like this year. And I'm even thinking about the rest of this year. Uh, I really, I've really got some things, you know, I don't, I don't like to just, well, it's the holidays, you know. I mean, this week's Thanksgiving, then we got Christmas, we'll just kind of get through it, and then we'll start up again next year. But I like to just finish strong and, uh, and just start preparing for what I have next year. I mean, why wait uh, to start going to the gym in January when you can start right now, you know? Why wait to start saving in January when you can do it right now? So all these, why wait to start? I'm going to read my Bible every day when I, beginning of the new year. Well, why not start right now? And so I believe if we change some of the way we do things, the things that uh, we'll begin to see some different results in what it is that we're looking to, to see. So uh, again, it's an honor to be with you guys this morning. I know some of you were there this morning. Some of you, you weren't. For those of you that don't know, you're like, who is this guy? I'm Dave. Uh, Dave Martin, glad to be with you guys. Had a great time in all the services this morning. And I am now from Michigan, officially. Uh, Monday, I will be a Michigander. Wow, how about that? Um, so we, we, are, uh, we thought this would be a great time of the year to move from Florida 
And uh, so we have moved from Florida to Troy, Michigan, uh, where we're taking over a church there in Troy and, and getting things started in January. We'll just get, really kind of get it launched and, and going. It's an existing church, but, but we're going to get moving that way. And so if you if you got any friends over in the Detroit, Troy area looking for a church, tell them to come and, uh, and hang out with us and visit us. And, and, uh, and I believe we'll have a have a great time. But let me, let me show you this. I'm a, I'm a coach. About 50% of what I do is coaching and helping people just uh, accomplish the things that, that God put in their heart to accomplish in their, in their life, in their business, in their, in their families, whatever it may be. And I want to talk to you about something I believe we all need to do. If we expect, if we expect next year to be different than this year, these are some things we may have to do. And I think if you want tomorrow to be different than today, it's important that you learn something today that will make tomorrow different. Because if you go into tomorrow with the same information you have today, you won't have it tomorrow, you just have a longer today. So how am I going to make tomorrow different? I got to learn some things different. I got to do some things different. And I think one of the vital things that we've got to do if we want next year to be different is we've got to have a plan. We've got to have a plan, a plan to make things different. Because nothing in life that is done well will be accomplished without a plan. I mean, we all want this year to be better than last year, next year to be better than this year. Uh, the Bible, I believe, is just a collection of champions who plan their success ahead of time. Uh, we talked about this morning, uh, where there is no vision, people perish. They had a vision, where they're going. Uh, about 50% of what we do is in the corporate arena. I'm on a tour right now called Get Motivated. I speak on a tour called Get Motivated. And there's a couple of the guys from the show Shark Tank. Have you ever seen that show Shark Tank? A couple of the guys from Shark Tank are on the tour with me. And so I, I'm, uh, I was with one of the guys, Damon John. And uh, Damon, we were talking, and, uh, and I was sharing with him how all the principles that we teach, you know, success principles and that in the world, that they're really all in the Bible. All this stuff came from, from God. He's like, that, all this stuff's not in the Bible. I'm, I'm telling you, it's all in the Bible. There's a big difference between the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. The person of Jesus prepares you for heaven. The principles of Jesus prepare you for earth. There are ungodly people who use godly principles to achieve ungodly results. While a lot of times in the church we don't know the principles, we ignore the principles and wonder why we struggle, yet the principles are there for us. All kind of principles. Sometimes we don't even know we're using them. Like, like this one. Uh, how many have ever straightened up the shoes in your closet or uh, maybe a, a drawer in your desk, and when you finished, you felt like you could conquer the world? I mean, know the feel I'm talking about. You're like, what else could I do today? Maybe let's go to the garage. Let's see what else we could do. All of a sudden, you feel like you can do anything that day. Why? Because you created order. God is a God of order. So when you created order, what you did was you did a godly thing. That's why you felt so good about it. All you did was straighten up your shoes, but you were actually doing something godly. I believe the Bible is a collection of people who made plans. Planning, I believe, is a very godly thing. So Damon was up talking about when he started his first company. I think it was called FUBU. And, and he was sharing about starting this company and he, how he wrote down all of his goals. And he said, when you write down your goals you dramatically increase the likelihood of accomplishing them if you'll just write them down. And I said, that's good. I believe that. That's in, that's in the Bible. He said, that's not in the Bible. I said, that's in the Bible. I'm telling you, all this stuff is in the Bible. He said, where is that in the Bible? So I showed him Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 2. What does it say? Write the vision, make it plain so that you can run with it. Uh, you got to make it pretty plain. Or one version says so that you can read it on the run. 
You got to have it written down pretty plain and pretty easy if you want to read it while you're running. I'll tell you this, though. It doesn't matter how fast you run. If you're running toward the wrong goalpost, it's not going to make any difference. So first thing you got to know is where you're going. You can go to the airport. Uh, there's planes flying all over the world. But until you decide where you want to go, you're still going to be at the airport. You know, they don't sell you your ticket based on where you're at. They sell you your ticket based on where you're going. A lot of people don't like where they're at. I don't like where I'm at. Well, where do you want to be? I don't know. I just don't want to be here. Well, where do you want to be? Anywhere. Just not here. But until you know where you want to go, you're still going to be here. I mean, there, I can watch planes fly, leave every day, every hour. But until I know where I'm going, I'm still going to be sitting at the airport. So if you want next year to be different than this year, what do you want it to look like? And that's where I think writing down your goals. The Bible says in Joshua 1 verse 8, the book of the law, that's the Bible, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. When? Day and night. Day and night. When, when is day and night? That's all the time. He said meditate on the word all the time. Why would he say do it all the time if there wasn't something in here that would help us all the time? What, what does that mean? It means if I'm at home, there's going to be something in here that's going to help me be a better dad to my son. going to help me be a better husband to my, to my wife. There's going to be something in here that's going to help me. Principles are going to help me be the person God created me to be. Or if I'm at work day and night, that means there's going to be stuff in here that's going to help me at work, be a better employer, a better employee. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, I've been doing a study right now on negotiation, teaching. How many of you have ever had to negotiate something? Yeah, maybe you bought a car, a house. Uh, you, you've, how many married? How many married people in here? Okay, you've negotiated. <laughs> the Apostle Paul was an incredible negotiator. I found seven secrets of negotiation that I'll teach in the corporate arena. People are like, where do you get this stuff? I'm like, you don't want to know. They're like, no, come on, this is good. Where do you get it? I'm like, trust me, you don't want to know. I'm like, they go, please. I'm like, okay, I got it in the Bible. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, it's all in there, and it, it's all there for us, these principles. If you do them day and night, if you do what he says, not just observe it, but actually do it, he said, you'll make your way prosperous, you'll deal wisely, and have good success. Here's what I've learned about principles. Principles are simple, yet they're powerful models that help us understand how the world works. And principles will generate the same result each and every time, no matter where, no matter when, no matter who uses them. Principles work when you work the principles. Like gravity. Gravity is a principle. And I can go anywhere in the world. I was just recently in, in Brazil. In Brazil, in a different hemisphere, when I got up in the morning, my feet immediately went to the ground. When I got out of bed, they went to the ground. The principle of gravity, didn't matter where I was, it still worked. That's how principles are. They, they work all the time. They're timeless, they're tireless, and they can't be overused. And that's the good thing about principles. And life is just a process of discovering the principles and discovering the principles that work. And so I'm forever trying to learn new principles, especially when I find them all here in the Word of God that will help me to have my, a better, uh, better my life, better my church, better my business, better my world. And so these principles are revealed, and, and I, I like to write them down. So I'm going to share a couple principles with you in the area of planning tonight. Planning. I think, like I said, I think it's a very biblical thing. It's a very scriptural thing to do. And, uh, and I, I think if you're going to do anything great, it's going to be because you had a plan. You desperately need a plan. I love what Winston Churchill said. Uh, he said, let our advanced worrying become our advanced thinking and planning. How many times do we sit and worry? How many have ever worried about something that didn't happen? 
Yeah. And we say all this time, all worry, worry is just bad use of your imagination. Because when you're worrying, what are you doing? You're just, gonna ma- you're just imagining what's going to go wrong. What if you just turn that around and start imagining what could go right? I mean, it's the same thing. It's using your imagination. You can use it for the negative or the positive. And we worry about things that never even happen anyway. I mean, think about it. Winston Churchill, hey, quit worrying and start using that time to plan and to picture where, where you could be. And so as I, as I see this understanding, now I understand in church we, 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 we probably should just pray. If we just pray, that would, that would take care of it. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Prayer cannot replace planning. Just like planning cannot replace praying. If, pray, if prayer is all you needed or if, if plan was all you needed, but I believe you need both, and I believe God gives us both. He, he said in, in Proverbs 16, to commit your plans to me. How do you commit your plans to God? Through prayer. Yeah, so that's how you commit your plans. But you, you know, you can't commit your plans to him if you don't have any plans. So obviously it's important to plan. And a lot of people say, well, if we just pray, prayer will build a big church. You know, prayer, prayer will build. And I, I think, I mean, I know a lot of little churches. I grew up in little churches and we prayed all the time. We didn't have any plans. We just prayed a lot. And, and you find that. And then you find other churches, they have a lot of plans and they never pray. But I think when you have a plan to do something great, and then you also put some prayer behind it, and you put prayer with it, what does the Bible say? Faith without works is dead. So you got to have both of them together. And when you put them both together, God intends for us to come to him. But then I think he also intends for us to get busy and actually do something. So all of our planning uh, should begin and be covered with prayer. At the same time, like I said, you can't expect God to grant your request if you only pray and, and don't do any planning. So the first thing I want you to see tonight, number one, I want you to see planning is scriptural. Planning is scriptural. God gave us plans. All throughout the Bible, you can see there, uh, Joseph planned seven years in advance for the famine. The, the Passover was part of the leaving Egypt plan. Plans were made for battle. Plans were made for building the temple. Plans were made for offering sacrifices. Even the coming of Christ, Jesus, coming back was planned and prepared for generations and generations. So in the Bible, we see very obviously, we see problems, we see solutions. And then I love how God shows us the plan. Why did he lay out the plan? I mean, I love that he included all these details in the Bible. I think he did it because he wanted us to really understand and believe that planning is scriptural. Even, even God planned. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, what does it say? For I know the plans, know the plans I have for you. Now, here's what I love about the plans God has for us. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a what? A future. God has plans for your future, and he plans to give you a future. Let me ask this. How many people plan to live past today? You plan to live past? Okay, that's just about all of us. So if you're going to live in the future, why not make it the future you plan? Well, I'm just going to see what happens. We'll see what happens tomorrow. And we have no, no plan, and we don't have any idea where we're going. Yet God's like, look, I'm trying to help you. And if God makes plans, I think it's important that we would make plans as well. So I encourage you, number one, I think it's real simple to see from all that. Even Jesus, I mean, listen, anybody who makes dinner plans 2,000 years ahead of time, 
the marriage supper. Okay, uh, that's planning ahead. I mean, most of us don't know we're having for lunch tomorrow. But he's planning that far ahead for us. So how many can see from those simple little things there that planning is all throughout the Bible? You can see that. Let me see your hand. Let me make sure you're with me. Okay, good. Number two, second thing I want you to understand, planning will put you in a better position. Planning will put you in a better position. Because here's the thing. Whenever you do plan, you always plan to succeed. So it shouldn't be a surprise that by having a plan, it eventually leads to better success and, 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 a, and achievement just because you have a plan. And when you write down the plan, when you have the plan, you write it down, what, what happens is it becomes so much easier uh, to see that maybe where you need to change some things in the plans. Problems emerge. Weaknesses become obvious. Anything cloudy becomes clear. You can now look at the plan Questions are answered, and, 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 and then they're clarified, and, and your, position, uh, your position better to succeed. Because most of us plan. We don't plan to fail. We plan to succeed. Now, sometimes we, we, I hear people think, well, I got, if I, once I get everything together in my life, I got so much going on. Once I get myself together, then I'm going to start making a plan. And I, I think this, a, a good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. So why not get started, right? Why wait? Well, you do, no, you don't understand. I don't think God could bless my plans anyway. You don't understand all the mistakes I've made and all the things I've done. And, and I had a couple wanted me to pray for them. They wanted to have a baby. They wanted to plan a family. And so I said, I'd be glad to. And the husband said, please pray for us. And the wife said, I don't think God will do it. I said, what do you mean you don't think God will do it? She goes, I don't think God will bless us with a baby. I said, why? She goes, because I've made some mistakes in my past. I made some mistakes when I was younger. I had an abortion, and I, now I just don't think God will bless us with a, with a baby because of my past mistakes. And, and it gave me a great opportunity to tell her about God's grace and, and God's mercy. How many are thankful for a little bit of that in your life? Yeah, his mercies are new when? Every morning. How many, how many need him about every morning too? You just thank God for his grace this morning and over and over. And so we all need a little bit of God's grace. We all need a little bit of, another guy wanted me to pray for them to have a, a home. He said, I really, we really wanted to get a new home. But years ago, I made some mistakes in my business. I ended up losing my house, foreclosure and bankruptcy. And now I don't think God will give us a new house because of the mistakes I made in the past. And again, my goodness, we've all made mistakes. How many have ever made a mistake? Oh my goodness, more of you than I thought. If you've never made a mistake, you've probably never made anything. Everybody makes mistakes. I've got a, a book. I don't know if I've ever had the book when I've been here before called Another Shot. It's one of our, our newer books. And, and, uh, and I, I work a lot with the NBA, some of the different players in the NBA. And there's, there's a guy, he's retired now by the name of Kobe Bryant. Uh, in 2014, uh, Kobe set the record for the most missed shots in the history of the NBA. Look at that record. Most missed shots in the history of the NBA. Now, here's what's amazing. Seven days after he set the record for the most missed shots, he passed up a guy by the name of Michael Jordan for the most points scored during his career. So the same guy with the most missed shots passes up one of the greatest players of all time. They said, how did you do it? And Kobe said, I, I, I just took another shot. How simple is that? What is he saying? I just tried again. You can't let the fear of failure or the fear of criticism keep you from trying again. We're all going to make some mistakes. Maybe the business didn't work out. Maybe the relationship didn't work out. We're all going to have some setbacks. On the, the back of that the book I wrote, Another Shot, there's a quote by Evander Holyfield. 
And, and I, I'm mentioning his name because I want to tell you about the, the quote so it makes sense if you know who it, who it is. I'm not just trying to drop names like I know Evander Holyfield. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you a quote that he wrote on the back of my book, the five-time heavyweight champion of the world. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, I'm not, I'm not a name dropper. If, it, if anything I've learned from spending time with Oprah is that, um, <laughs> that you shouldn't drop names. But Evander Holyfield said this. He said, it's not getting knocked down that makes you lose the fight. It's not getting back up. We're all going to get knocked down sometimes. But how do you get back? i tell you this. The next time you feel like a failure, the next time you feel like, how's God ever going to use me? How's God ever going to bless me? How's anything great going to happen for me? The next time you start feeling like that, I, I made this little list. It may help you a little bit. It's some of my favorite people in the Bible, probably some of your favorite people in the Bible, some of the people that, you, that we preach about and look up to, our heroes of faith. You talk about some messed up people. When you think God can't use you, start thinking about Noah. He was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses was a stutterer. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair. God still used him. Look at that. Uh, uh, Jeremiah was too young. Leah was ugly. I'm not judging Leah. It's in the Bible. It's in the, you read it. You can, and God, David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi went bankrupt. Or I mean, Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. The disciples fell asleep while they were praying with Jesus. What about Peter? Peter denied Christ. How many times? Three. And Jesus goes, come on, Peter. I can still use you. Like, you're with Jesus, and like, I don't know him. I had a friend recently that kind of denied me. Like, kind of like, like someone, you know Dave? Oh, yeah, I kind of know him. I'm like, kind of know me? We've been on vacation together. Kind of know me. Huh. I unfriended him on Facebook. <laughs> Deny me. One time, half a time. And yet three times, Jesus goes, come on, Peter, I'll still use you. You ever wonder, though, why Peter would even do that? I mean, seriously, you're with, why would you do it? You're with Jesus. I don't know if this is why. I did notice this in the scripture, and it could be part of the reason that Peter was upset and like, I don't, you know, whatever. But just a few verses before this whole thing happened, you'll see is where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. <laughs> I don't know if he was upset about that. Um, it's a bad mother-in-law joke. It's terrible. I know. I I love my mother-in-law. I would never. A couple of Christmases ago, I got her a cemetery plot for Christmas. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get her anything last year. She was, she was mad at me, too. You didn't give me anything for Christmas this year. I'm like, you didn't even use what I got you. I'm just saying, you know, when you get someone a, a gift. And anyway. I mean, this list just keeps going. I mean, Martha, Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Huh? <laughs> I got on the elevator at the hotel, and this lady looked at me. She goes, you know, you look like my third husband. <laughs> I, was, I, thought, I was thinking about that Samaritan woman. I was like, that's crazy. That's I was like, how many times have you been married? <laughs> she, she said, twice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, I mean, the whole list goes on and, 
and on. I mean, Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. How about this? Lazarus was dead. And God still used him. So the next time you think God can't use you, just start thinking about all this. I, I love what the Bible says. First Samuel 16, verse 7. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, the difference maker in all the people that I just mentioned, that whole list of people was that God had a plan for them. God had a plan for them, and they were willing to follow the plan. When you begin to see the plan, you begin to understand the plan, you'll know God has greater things in store for you and greater things in store uh, for, your, for your future. Number three, let me give you, let me give you one more. Number, uh, let's see if we got time. Yeah, we got time for one more. Y'all get anything out of this? Three of you, good. Number three, planning is essential. Planning is essential. I think making plans will cause us to act rather than to react. Planning uh, makes us more effective. I mean, we're, we're all getting older every day, and one day you're going to want to retire. And, and uh, are, are you making plans? Are you making plans for your, your future? I mean, what, what is it you want to do? What is you want to accomplish? I've got a, a wall in my house I call my, my dream wall, my vision board or, or something. And I, I got this wall where all I put on the wall are pictures of things I want in my future. I was at my parents' house, and I, I noticed looking around their house that 90% of the pictures in their house were pictures of the past. Memories, right? Memories. Nothing wrong with memories. Memories are good. But I noticed all the pictures they had were just memories. I mean, there's my high school picture from a graduated high school. Senior picture still up on the wall at my parents' house. That's good. That good eight, nine years ago, something like that. <laughs> you ever notice why do we tell people like, people's like, how old are you? I'm like, 29. Like, 29? You look horrible for 29. Like, why do we say numbers you know people aren't going to believe? Now people ask me, how old am I? I'm like, 73. They're like, you look awesome. You look awesome for 73. I mean, all these pictures up on on the wall, not any picture of the future. So I created a wall in my house where I could could see the get pictures of the future. Because, I mean, you see this in, in the Bible. I mean, David got a picture of the future. Uh, uh, Abraham got a picture of his future. I want to have children. And you're going to have children and children and children. And, and, and Jesus said, or, or God said, come out of your tent. Look at the skies. Picture the stars in the sky. Get a picture of what your future is going to look like. David, whoever kills the giant, gets his bills paid off. No more taxes. Gets to marry the king's daughter. If you read it, David said, could you repeat that one more time? Why? I think he started getting a picture of all his bills, that big red stamp, paid in, paid in full, and taxes zero, and the king's daughter. And <laughs> All right, I'll fight a giant. Why? He got a picture of the money and the honey, right? And, uh, and so if you could get a picture... So I don't know, maybe there's something you want to see happen. Maybe it's in your business. Uh, you want to start a franchise or you want to get a new office building or build something. I don't know what it may be you want to do. Uh, one, of, one of my goals, uh, maybe you got someplace you'd like to go on vacation, take your family. Uh, I, I got a wall where I, want, I wanted to build a little TV studio where I could make videos and podcasts and stuff like that. So I started getting pictures of all the equipment that I needed and I put it up on the wall. One day we're going to have all this equipment. We're going to have a little studio. I mean, I got all kinds of pictures. Oh, I wanted, one of my goals was I wanted to give $100,000 to my church. And so I wrote it. How many like to be able to do that? Heart for the uh, world coming up. How many like to, uh, heart for the kingdom? How many like to be able to, hey, pastor, put me down for heart for the king, 100,000. How many like to be able to, it's not a pledge. I'm just asking right now. <laughs> a couple of y'all look nervous. Like, is this a pledge? Is he, 
Are they taking pictures of this? No, I'm just saying, how many like to be able to do that? Yeah, of course. I, I think I told you about the church got the phone call and the receptionist said, I'd like to speak to the head hog at the trough. Said, Excuse me? You mean our pastor? See, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, the head hog at the trough. She's like, that's rude. That's our pastor. We love him. We respect him. We don't talk. Can I help you with something? He said, yeah, I heard about Heart for the Kingdom. I just wanted to give $100,000. They said, uh, uh, hold on then. Uh, let me see if Porky's here. <laughs> The more blessed you are, the greater blessing you can be. I, I wrote a check. One day I'm going to give 100000 I wrote a $100,000 check, put it up on the wall, and wrote, wrote void on it <laughs> in case my pastor came over uh, before I was ready. You probably heard about the two guys got stranded on the deserted island, and uh, one of them was just freaking out. He's like, man, we got to get help, man. We gotta, we, we're stranded on a deserted island. They'll never find us. The other guy said, we're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And he went and sat under a palm tree. And the, he said, what are you doing sitting under that palm tree, man? He said, we got we to gotta get help. We're on this deserted island. Bring me some branches. We got to make SOS in the, in the sand. We got to start a fire. We got to do something. What are you doing just standing over, just sitting over there? Come on, we got to. He goes, man, trust me, we are going to be fine. He just sits under the palm tree. He said, why are you not worried? He said, I'm not worried because I'm a tither. He said, trust me, my, my pastor will find us. So, I don't know what your plan is or what it is you want to accomplish or what it is you dream, but get a picture of where it is you're going. Something has to be seeable before it's believable, believable before it's achievable. Planning's involved in everything we do, and, and planning is, is, is critical. We're much better when we have a plan. And planning ahead, nothing wrong with that. I mean, my goodness, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark, was it? He is planning. He is planning ahead. The thing with planning is you'll, you'll never plan to fail. So just by having a plan, you're already headed towards success. And, and, uh, and many have, 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 have failed and, and made some mistakes along the way, but they get back up. And, and I, I love helping people develop plans. How do you get from where you are to where you want to be? What are some principles? What are some things you could use along the way to get you moving in the, in the, in the right direction? So planning is scriptural. How many can see that? How many can see that, what we're talking about? And, and planning will put you in a better position. How many, how many can see that just by having a plan? You're already in a, in a better position. And then getting a picture of where it is you're going, what it is you're trying to do. Because here, here, let me give you, let me give you, uh, oh, we got a few more minutes. Let me give you another. Planning brings progress. Planning brings progress. If you're planning to succeed, then the plan will include progress along the way. When I help people write down their, their goals, then we prioritize them, and then we put them into, into order so that we can begin to see the progress along the way. Always keep your goals for yourself or your organization, whatever it may be, in, in front of you. It eliminates stress. Having a plan will eliminate stress in difficult seasons of life. We all know how that works. Imagine, uh, you know, uh, uh, for, here's something. We wanted to go to a, a game, a, a, a basketball game, and, and it was downtown. And so uh, I made plans. Now, now, me, I like to know how everything works. I want to know ahead of time. I want to buy my parking ahead of time. My, like my daddy's like, well, we'll go down there. We'll find parking somewhere. It'll be fine. I'm like, no, no, that stresses me out. I need to know where I'm parking when I get there. I get the map. I lay, I lay it all out. I know which door I'm going in. That's the where I want to park closest to my. I like to have the plan, and it eliminates a lot of stress. 
from my life just by, by having a plan and knowing where I'm going. So planning can help eliminate stress from your life. Uh, the, the quality of your preparation determines the quality of your performance. You know, when, when you see a, a great concert, uh, a pianist who's invested hours and hours of practice before the concert, all, all the crowd here is like when we see the, the band up here and worship, well, we enjoyed, oh, they did so great. Yes, it was anointed, but they'd also practiced and they'd prepared and they got, they got everything ready. And what we heard was a result of the preparation. They didn't just get up here and go, all right, let's try some songs. You start. Okay, now I'll play. Okay. No, we'd have been like, what in the world happened to them today? No, they prepared and that pre- we, 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 we saw the result of it. And then uh, having a proper plan will guarantee the completion of the project so you can finish what it is you wanted to do, what it is you wanted to accomplish. The, la- the last thing I found, that planning clarifies your decision making. Remember I told you you can go to the airport, but until you know where you want to go, you're still going to be at the airport. Right until you decide where you want to go. But now once you decide where you want to go, all of a sudden everything else gets easier. Because what it helps is by having a plan, now you you clarify your decision making. So I went to the airport. I'm like, I don't know. Do I want to go to Alaska or do I want to go to Hawaii? I'm thinking about it. I don't know. There's planes going to both. And, and until I, but until I decide, I don't, know who to, I don't know where to buy a ticket until I know where I'm going. So once I've decided, you know what? I'm going to Hawaii. Now I can go to the counter. Now my decision's easy. Give me a ticket to Hawaii. I don't have to go, do I want a ticket to New York? Do I want a ticket to Alaska? Do I want a ticket? I, I know where I'm going now. So it, it's easy to buy my ticket. Now, now that I know where I'm going, I bought my ticket. I know what to pack now. I'm not going to bring my big heavy jacket. I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to bring some flip-flops and my bathing suit. And you, you understand what I'm saying? All, all those decisions become so much clearer and so much easier once you know where you're headed. And, and wherever, wherever you're at, once you've mapped it out, once you know where you're going, you can start moving in the right direction. So if you want next year to be your best year, determine where it is you want to go. Determine your goal. Determine what it is you want to accomplish. What, what is it? that you want? Where do you want to end up at the end of the year? Where do you want to end up 10 years from now? What's the dreams that God's put in your heart to accomplish and know where you're going? Do you imagine getting on a cruise ship? Uh, you, you get on a, 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 go on a cruise to some island somewhere. And after you've been out in the ocean for about a week, you know, you ask the captain, Hey, it sure seems like we, we should have arrived by now. I mean, we've been out here on this boat for about, a, about a week. He said, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, arrive, uh, I didn't make any plans. I, I, didn't, I didn't know we were going to, I thought we were just going to go out here for a ride and ride around. I didn't know we had a, a, a destination. Uh, we, that sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? Just get on a boat and just keep going until you find somewhere. We, we want to know where we're going. And a lot of people, that's how they go through life. They're just kind of like, well, we'll see where it takes us today. See where life takes us today. See where we end up at the end of this year. And, and they just continually just go through the same things in life without having a plan of where they want to go or where they want to end up. I think it was uh, Zig Ziglar used to, used to say, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Yeah, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And then write down the steps. Like we said, that's in the Bible. Write down your goals. Know where you're going. If you'll write them down, how you're going to get there. Uh, the written word is powerful. We know that from the Bible. 
Bible is the written word of God. So write it down. Put it somewhere where you can see it every day and go back to it. Add, add steps, modify it along the way, and then it'll help you accomplish them. And then, and then do something every day to get you moving toward the goal and the dream that God's put in your heart, the thing that you want to do and that you want to accomplish. I encourage you, when you're thinking about what it is you want to do, to raise your level of expectation. There, one of my favorite scriptures is... Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 that says that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever think or ask. So if God could do anything above what you could even think or ask, it sounds like me, the only thing that would be limiting us would be, would be us, right? Because with God, how many know with God all things, how many believe the Bible again? Let me see your answer if you believe the Bible. Okay, with God, what's possible? Yeah, all things are possible. So if all things are possible, the only thing limiting you would have to be you. Now, we don't really believe all things are possible. We sing it in the songs and stuff, and we shout it. We don't really believe that. Because, you know, as soon as we get a headache, what do we do? Grab aspirin, right? Because we, we don't think to pray first. Why don't we pray for ourselves? Well, we're not, I'm not supposed to have a headache. And no, nothing wrong with taking an aspirin. That's not what I'm saying. But that's not like the first thing I think of. It's like, ask for, I'm thinking, well, I'm, with God, all things are possible. Why don't I pray first? I mean, our kids get the chicken pox. What do we do? Rub pink stuff on them. That pink stuff makes them quit itching. Why don't we pray for the chicken pox to go away? I mean, rub pink stuff on them, too. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but we, a lot of times we don't think of it. We just say, oh, well, three to five days, you know, it'll, it'll all go away if we get the right medicine. And a friend of mine, one of his kids got the mumps, he said, for 20 minutes. Yeah, he said, kids got the mumps. He said, my kid's not supposed to have the mumps. Nowhere in the Bible says you got to have the mumps. He said, so I just prayed for him, and, and the mumps went away. How many believe God still answers prayer? Yeah, so why don't we really practice that as much as we used to? Or, uh, I mean, if we really believe, I mean, nowhere in the Bible does it say my, my son has to have the chicken pox. I looked in there. No, I looked. I looked in the back, too. It's not in there. Pox, not in the Bible. Couldn't find, I couldn't even find chicken in the Bible. And I thought for sure chicken would be in the Bible because that's like a church bird. <laughs> right? If a church had a bird, it'd be a chicken, right? Every, yeah, that's what we always eat it. it anyway, so no, a friend of mine said, I got a hold of that scripture 18 years ago. All things are possible. He said, if all things are possible, he said, I'm not going to have any more colds. He said, I don't like colds. Coughing, sneezing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you got to have a cold. He said, so I'm not going to have any more. So 18 years went by, he didn't have a cold. He didn't have a cold for 18 years. He was in Chicago to speak, and a lady picked him up at the airport, and, and she was coughing, sneezing. She goes, I'm sorry. She goes, I, I've got a horrible cold. She said, I sure hope you don't catch it. He said, oh, don't worry, I won't. She said, what do you mean you won't? He said, well, I don't get colds. She said, come on, everybody gets colds. She said, I just know two or three times a year, I know I'm going to get a cold. Exactly, right. You get what you expect, right? Get what you say. How many believe that? You get what you, your Bible, the Bible tells us, pastor teaches the words are, are powerful. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You eat the fruit of what you, of what you say. The words are, are powerful. And it amazes me how many Christians curse the things that should be beneficial to them. Ah, this dead end job's never going to get me anywhere. Oh, my spouse's never going to change. And we curse the things that should be beneficial. We should be cursing things like poverty and injustice and cancer and those kind of things. Not good things for us. If you don't think your words are powerful, it reminds me of this couple been married 25 years. 
They were celebrating their anniversary. So they, they decided to go to the same place they'd went on their honeymoon 25 years earlier. Went to the same hotel. They actually got the same suite they'd been in 25 years earlier. And they were just reminiscing, you know, 25 years together. Had some ups and downs, you know, but hey, they were still together celebrating 25 years. And that, that, that night they got back to the hotel and the husband kind of laid his head back in his wife's lap. And she was running her fingers through his hair, you know, what he had left, you know, 25 years. And, and uh, he, had, he had his glasses on. She took his glasses off and she looked down at him and she said, you know, honey, without your glasses on, you look like the man I married 25 years ago. He, he looked back up at her and he said, you know, honey, w without my glasses on. Okay. okay. You see what I'm saying about your words, okay? Your words are powerful. So be careful what you say. He said, look, he, the guy said, I don't get colds. Haven't had in 18 years. Don't worry about it. He, he left there. About a week later, he was down in Texas, kind of felt his sinuses draining. He said, that's weird. It feels like a, a cold coming on. He said, I, but I don't, I don't get colds. So he said, I just prayed. I spoke to the germs, the bacteria. He said, look, guys, I don't get colds. You guys are in the wrong place. He, he said, but I, I do know a lady in Chicago <laughs> that's expecting you. So I don't know what you're expecting, but what if you start expecting God to do greater things. How many, can, how many can expect God to do something better for you next year than he did this year? And how many can expect the rest of your year to be, how many believe God can still do some things this year? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think this year is over. My goodness, if God could create the entire world in six days, think what he could do for you in the next, you know, what, what do we got, 40, 50 days left this year. My goodness, I still, I'm still expecting God to do some things this year. So I encourage you, plan, get a plan. Get a plan for what it is you want to do and accomplish, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your, your Bible reading, or whether it's in building your business. Get a plan. Develop a plan. Watch. Commit your plans. Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit your plan to the Lord and watch him get involved. How many want God as your partner? Can't think of any greater partner than having God as your partner. And God gets involved, and he will cause your plans to succeed. That's good news to me right there. The rest of your life really could be the best of your life. You just begin to follow the principles of God's word. Amen? Amen. Let me just, let me pray for you before we go today. Talking about plans, when I think of, of plans and all these plans in the Bible, I can't think of any greater plan than God's plan of salvation. My goodness, what a plan he had. He wanted a family. He gave a son. And today he's got a family, sons and, and daughters. He, he wanted you to have life, eternal life with him. What did he do? He made a plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice my only son. Why? So that you could be part of the family. God planned, Jesus planned to give his life just for you. I mean, this, this amazing plan. Life goes better when you put God first. You know, maybe you've never made a decision like that. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Never want to close without giving people an opportunity to become part of God's plan. Well, the greatest plan of all is the plan that God made for you, for your life, where he has plans for you, plans for good. Bow your heads with me real quick. Father, in this room are many people who have many different kinds of plans. Maybe some are planning to build a home next year, planning to start a new business, planning to, to get a new job, planning 
to exercise more, planning to read their Bible through. All, all across this room, as we talked about plans today, people thought of a lot of different things. Lord, I pray that, uh, that they would take the time to write down the plan, to, to take an effort to put the plan together so that they can commit it to you. And then, Father, I ask you, as your word said, to get involved with their plan. When you get involved with the plan, it can't help but succeed because you put your blessing and your favor on it. Father, we thank you for your plan of salvation. Maybe there's someone in this room that have never become part of that plan. They've never made the decision to put you first in their life. Tonight, we want to give them an opportunity. If that's you, you say, Dave, I've never put God first in my life but I'm ready to do it tonight. I wanna become part of God's plan. Maybe at some point in your life, you, you did put God first, but, but right now, you, if you're real honest, you'd say he's not first place right now in my life, but, but I, I want him to be. I'm, I'm ready to put God back where he belongs, back where he belongs, first place in my, in my life. And if you're either one of those two people, never made the decision to put God first, or you need to, Put him back first place in your life. I'd love to pray for you before we go tonight. I believe it's one of the greatest decisions you could ever make. The decision to put God first. To become part of God's plan. If that's you and I count to three, just real quick before I pray the prayer. Across the room, let me just see your hand if there's anybody here tonight. One, two, three. Anybody here tonight? Thank you. Anyone else? I'm looking across the building one time. One more time. Looking in the back. Thank you, sir. Well, Father, I thank you for these that lifted their hand tonight. Lord, I thank you that you don't just give us a desire to change, but you give us the discipline to make the changes that we need to make. We talked about it this morning. If just one person said yes, it'd all be worth it. Lord, tonight as two people said yes to you, we thank you for them. You're turning the page to a brand new chapter. A new day begins in their life today. Lord, we thank you. They made that decision. You said it's as simple as this, to believe in our heart, to say with our mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, everyone, I want you to say those words with me tonight. Say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. You talk about a plan. Talk about a plan that could change a life. Lives were changed tonight. Can we put our hands together for those who made a decision tonight to put God first? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.